Welcome, everyone. This week, I have the pleasure of speaking with John Kasman. John, welcome to the show. Anthony, thank you for having me on, man. Excited to be on today and talk to you and your listeners. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. John is the host of the Target Market Insight Podcast. He's also one of the co-organizers of the Midwest Real Estate Networking Summit. I attended the summit last year. Phenomenal conference to attend to if you're close by or fly into it's phenomenal conference. One of the top two to go to attend without the throughout the year. John, thank you. I appreciate it. So much you've done and so much value you have given to the listeners through the conferences, the podcast. What inspired you to do all this? And what got you into real estate? I like hearing that question. Yeah. So thank you for having me on again. Um, you know, when it comes to whether it be the conference, the podcast, different information we like to share with listeners and other attendees. Um, the first thing is, you know, I got a lot of help myself from going to conferences and connecting with other like-minded individuals, listening to podcasts, being able to network with them. So for me, it's a way to kind of you know, pay it back while also still paying it forward because it's also a great platform for someone to connect with people who are at that next level that even I want to achieve. So it's a great way to kind of connect, build rapport and continue to build a network. And I think that's the key thing, you know, is you have to be looking at continuing to grow, you know, and not getting stagnant, not getting stale, not resting on your laurels, if you will, but you're really looking for how do I continue to improve? Sometimes it's not about money. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's, man, I'm spending a lot of hours working. How do I scale or create systems that allow me to free up some of my time? So it really depends on whatever you're facing and what you're going through in your business um, or your, your personal finances. But ultimately, there are some ways to, to solve that. And we want to try to find the people who have found solutions, learn from them, and then share that information with an audience. So you asked how I got started in real estate. Um, you know, I really didn't know how to start, you know, and for any of your listeners right now who are listening, interested in real estate, have listened to a few different podcasts or read books or articles, and you're ready to get started, but you don't know how, um, I was in the same exact boat. So what I ended up doing was going to a lot of RIA meetings, right? So real estate investor association meetings, and I would connect with people. And one strategy that made sense to me was I was renting at the time. So I decided to house hack buy a two-unit building, live in one unit, rent out the other unit. So that's exactly how I got started. I bought a two-unit building. I rented out one unit, lived in one unit, and used that income to really pay the mortgage for the most part. And with the money I was saving from not renting, um, that really started to free up more money to save. I used that money to invest. And then it kind of created a bit of a snowball effect where now I had you know, four units that were paying me income and I was still working full-time jobs. We were able to take all that money and continue to put it back into real estate. So that's kind of how we got started. Awesome. I love it. I love how anybody that's interested in real estate, there's so many different ways to get started. Like when I first started looking to real estate, I was almost like a floodgate opened up like different paths you could take. There's, there's notes, there's commercial, there's house hacking. Like you mentioned, like which one do I choose? But it's going back to, knowing yourself and knowing what you're comfortable with doing and then understand, okay, this is what I want. This is what I'm going to achieve. This is what I'm going to take action on. So you just decided, I'm going to house hack. I'm renting, so I might as well house hack and go down that path and continue on from there. How did you find that first property when you decided to house hack? 
Yeah, so I mean, this was back in 2012. So uh, back then, the good thing was uh, there were a lot of properties available on MLS. So I took my sweet time. I made a top 10 list of potential properties. And uh, that was in the summer. I think we started in December, like late December, early January. And I remember by late February, the list of top 10 properties that I had started to dwindle down. I felt like almost every other day, one of those properties was going contingent. And at that moment, I'm like, all right, look, I think we need to like lock in on one of these properties because they're starting to move now. So ultimately we did. Uh, as a matter of fact, I remember there was one property that I really wanted to see. I think I, it came on Thursday night. I called the, my real estate agent. I said, hey, look, this one looks great. I want to see this one. I need to see it tomorrow. And uh, it's like, all right, great. I'll set it up. And I kid you not, we got there and the person who saw it before me came out with papers in their hand and I'm like I know that's not a contract and sure enough we went in and that person signed a contract on the spot so I think that moment for me really helped me get over kind of the fear of pulling a trigger right because it's one thing to look at properties it's one thing to say you're interest, interested in real estate right but I wasn't committed to it yet and I think at that moment um, coupled with the fact that my landlord wasn't going to renew my lease. So at that moment, I faced the fear of being homeless and uh, went through my top 10 list, which there are only four properties left on the list at that point, and found one that made sense. We looked at it again, pulled the trigger, made an offer, and went from there. Awesome. I love it. I My first guest was Trevor, phenomenal guest. One of the key insights he said is like the opportunity is what, provides for us or the seed of opportunity i'm brushing i'm sorry but it provides us opportunity to achieve what we want so you're forced with possibly being homeless okay either i'll be homeless or i go take action so that nudges to the way like i gotta take action no matter what and deal with the consequences so now you went from two a house two unit house hacking to four units so what are you now doing commercial real estate yeah, absolutely. So we do commercial real estate now. We actually partner with other investors. Um, so really what we've done and to understand kind of um, how we got here, part of it was when you're saving up your money and you're investing, part of what happened with us was, and I say us, I mean my wife and I, um, you know, we were always saving money to invest in real estate. And after buying kind of the, we bought an eight unit building, we did a couple flip projects and we just really realized that it was going to be a slow journey. You know, while it was a good journey, we were on the right path. We were taking a very slow road to get there because we had to wait until we had all the money to go buy a property. And like many investors, at some point, you're going to either run out of money or for some of your listeners, you may not have the money right now to get started. And it's, well, what do you do? Do you just sit around and wait until you can save it all? Or do you find another option? So at that moment, we had some properties under our belt. We had built a one and a half million dollar portfolio. So we started talking to more and more people to try to understand better strategies. And what became clear is that there are people who were really interested in investing, but they didn't have the time. So maybe they had the money, but they didn't have the time. We had the time. We had some money, but not enough to do the kind of deals we were looking to do. And that's where we really opened ourselves up to partnering with other investors. So from there, we started to partner with other investors and we're buying larger apartment complexes through apartment syndication. Nice. So how did you come across the investors? Can you explain the journey, the process, the challenges you have to overcome from finding the first commercial property and talking and investing and partnering with those investors as well? 
Yeah. So a lot of people tell you, hey, if you want to raise money for real estate, you know, start with family and friends. And that's great. That's great feedback. That's a great tip. The challenge is if your family and friends don't have the money or they don't believe in you because they don't see you as a real estate investor, it can be problematic. The other thing is many of them who do believe in you, they believe in you, but they may not necessarily be the real estate investor that you really need. So it can be a bit of a challenge if you really haven't figured out who your core investor is. So part of the way that we like to do that, and we educate some of our clients, some of our consulting clients about this, is yes, you wanna start with your friends and family, you want to build a list of folks in your database, in your network, and it may not be your closest friends or your closest family members, but it might be a guy that you play soccer with, you know, in intramurals or someone that you worked with a long time ago. Uh, so maybe some of those individuals are very interested, uh, but ultimately what you want to do is go from just trying to find people who are interested in investing to really attracting capital to you, right? And the difference is, the difference is you picking up the phone trying to call people and hoping people have money to invest, which can be discouraging, especially starting out if you're hearing no from people. Um, if you can flip that dynamic to figuring out how do you attract capital? Well, one of the ways you attract capital is you have to put it out into the universe. You have to tell people what it is you're doing, why you're doing it, what are the benefits, and then kind of see who reacts to that, right? Because people who are interested they're going to express certain characteristics, right? They're going to uh, re read your emails. They're going to respond when you talk to them about it. Um, and, you know, they're going to be more inquisitive and ask questions. But part of what you have to do is just tell people. So I would say the first thing is instead of going out and just asking people to invest with you, what you want to do is identify people who you want to share it with what you're doing and then see if they either have interest themselves or you ask them, do they know anyone who may be interested or who may have uh, the ability to help you with what you're trying to do? Interesting. I love it. I love how you're switching it instead of what can I get from is what can I give? How can I provide value? What can I tell people that I'm doing or can potentially bring interest to them? So how did you find that first commercial property and how did you close it? Yeah, so we were looking for a long time. I think we looked for over a year for our first deal and I uh, was getting really frustrated because part of it is the way, you know, to, to do a deal where you have an investor and that investor is going to be able to make enough money where you can still make enough money and everyone's happy, you need bigger margins. And the deals we were doing, the margins were too, too slim for us to make money and the, the investors to make money. So we were having a hard time kind of really getting that first deal. So ultimately, we just started networking with other people who were doing similar things. And uh, there was a gentleman in particular that we met at a conference and uh, going back to the conference thing. And at this conference, you know, we just bonded. You know, we went down, my wife and I had dinner with him, had a great connection. And a few months later, once I decided to launch Target Market Insights, he was one of the early guests on the show. And as we were talking, very similar to what we're doing now, um, he mentioned that he was working on some deals and had some stuff in the pipeline. And at that moment, I just expressed a desire to partner if he had that opportunity. And we ended up going ahead, going ahead and partnering with him on a 192-unit complex. Nice. Where was the location property located at? That one was in Texas, up in San Antonio, Texas. Nice. That's very high market. A lot of investors are going towards Texas, Houston, Dallas. So mm -hmm. what about that market interested you or the investor? 
Uh, there are a few things that I loved about it, right? So first and foremost, Texas is seeing great growth, as you said. Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, Austin, they're all seeing great growth. San Antonio in particular wasn't quite as hot as Dallas, which I thought was a great thing because, you know, um, I feel like Dallas had a lot of interest. There are a lot of people who were investing in Dallas. And San Antonio, I think, had a lot of the same characteristics. In fact, when you looked at the tra- trajectory I believe it was the year after we invested in that first deal in San Antonio. San Antonio was uh, the number one market for growth. Uh, so more people moved there um, than, than the other markets. So that was something that we love to see is seeing that city grow uh, so much. The other thing is its proximity to Austin. We loved as well because, um, you know, pretty soon that they're, they're basically stating that, uh, San Antonio and Austin would be kind of one major metro market because they're starting to converge a little bit. And this was in the northwest side of the city as well. So I really like to pay attention to the sub markets as well as just the overall macro market. And uh, I think those three, those things, easy to do business in a market like Texas. Um, you know, it's a business friendly environment. It's a landlord friendly environment. And on top of that, we really bonded with the operator. And for me, that's really the first thing is really building strong relationships with people. Once you have strong relationships with people, you understand the market dynamics, then you can start to look at the actual deal. And we did like the deal as well. Awesome. I love it. I love the tips, the value providing to the people is like anything in business or in general is the people. People operate the business. People do everything. Business is the second, but it's the people that you connect with, that you work with, that you build relationships with, that is the foundation of what we can or cannot achieve. And I love how you set out to, okay, I have this goal objective. Who can I connect with? Who can I work with? Who can I find to help me achieve this? And that can also help bring value to it as well. And that's what I love about the conferences is you can find people like that at conferences. I've met so many people through LinkedIn, the conferences, just doing that. What can I provide to somebody else? Because we can't do everything by ourselves. We try to, but we can't. Not as excellent as we could be. So the, I've mentioned that because the conferences, you're one of the co-organizers of the conference. What did, made you decide to host a conference and continue to host and provide value to others? Yeah, so again, uh, you know, the Midwest Real Estate Networking Summit was really born out of passion. Um, that was something that I was really passionate about. And my co, uh, my co uh, creator of the conference and I, we were sitting down at another conference. We were actually out in, uh, in, uh, we're in San Francisco. So we were out in San Francisco at uh, Jay Martin does a phenomenal event, the San Francisco based summit. Um, and we we're out at his event. And as we were sitting there, we just started talking about doing an event like that in Chicago because the thing I loved was it was a no pitch event and it was not about any sales pitch or anything like that. And in Chicago, we felt like that's all we got. All we got was, you know, people coming to sell, you know, programs or somebody from TV who was trying to sell some $30,000, $40,000 program just to tell you the basics of real estate investing, right? I mean, you go to this two, three day seminar and they wouldn't tell you anything of actual value. Um, for that, you had to pay the $40,000, you know, master mastery program thing. And it just felt like a lot of bait and switch. And it just didn't feel like um, anything that we were, we were proud of. Um, and we just felt like this, the, the city, the, 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 the region 
really needed something that was truly for real estate investors. So while we're out in San Francisco, as much as I love that event, most of the investors out there had completely different circumstances than what we face in the Midwest. You know, you're talking about San Francisco where prices are ridiculous and over the top and very few people are investing in San Francisco. So some of them talked about either condos or Airbnb or, you know, wholesaling or investing afar in the Midwest. Um, but not really the same kind of dynamics or issues that I think most of us in the Midwest face. So for us, it was a combination of if we can create a no pitch environment in the Midwest with, you know, actionable tips and strategies that are applicable to the Midwest, we felt like that could be a great benefit to many people. My partner is very, uh, very active on bigger pockets um, and bigger pockets and my partner as well. They have helped me tremendously to grow and to scale. So for me, this is a great way to give back. And then honestly, if I'm being really transparent here, it's a great way for me to continue to build on my brand, right? To continue to give to people, to continue to put myself out there and to build a brand by giving to others. It's a phenomenal way to grow. And that's something that I recognized. And my background is in marketing. So I've done events for over 15 years for big companies. I've done Super Bowl events. I've done New Year's Eve Times Square events. Um, so hosting a conference wasn't exactly the most complicated thing I had to do. Uh, but obviously getting people together and trying to tell the narrative, especially that first year, it was very challenging to try to get that off the ground. And I will tell you too, I did learn why these people sell these programs at many of these events, because a lot of times it's just not as beneficial from a cost standpoint when you don't have a big ticket item to sell at the end of it. So there's some pros and cons and I understand the why, but we felt deeply enough in our mission to help other people. Um, and I think just organically through that, you'll grow your business if you help enough people. So that's really the reason that we set off to create the Midwest Real Estate Networking Summit. If last year was the first conference, right? Am I correct? That was the first time? Uh, that's That was the second year. So oh, um, yeah, 2020, uh, May 16th and 17th will be our third year doing the event. Awesome. So it was my first year attending last year. It was a phenomenal conference. The value I got from it, the people connected with it, even networking in between the, the mentors or the speakers was phenomenal. And I enjoyed it. And thank you for putting it together. So what challenges or issues did you have to overcome when you was working with the people to bring this event to to fruition? Yeah, I mean, there are a couple of things, right? So first and foremost, it's really trying to take a, a loose vision in your head and working with my partner to take an idea and, and bring it to life. You know, one of the real things that was critical for us, and you kind of started talking about it, um, we were very deliberate with the name. It's a bit of a long name, but it's very deliberate, you know, and the networking word was really important for us. You know, this was not about me. This was not about my partner. This was really about creating opportunities for people to network. One of the biggest things that I hate is I'll go to a conference and you're in this big room, 300 people, 400 people, whatever, and you know you're in a room of like-minded people who are probably great partners for you, but you have no idea who to talk to, how to connect with them. I mean, so you end up talking to the people next to you, right? Or the people you randomly run into. But you don't know that the guy two rows in front of you is looking to invest in the exact type of deal that you want to do. How do you know that? So for us, 
it was about being very intentional with the event, with the networking opportunities. And everything that we've done with the event was really to bring that to life. How do we make it easy for people to connect with the people they need to move their real estate business forward? So that was really the, the hardest part was because there's a lot of logistics and dis, uh, details in that that make it more complicated than just getting a bunch of good speakers and putting them on a the stage. You know, how do we do our breakouts, our mini mastermind sessions, things like that, where we really try to take people who are interested in something specific and sit them next to other people who are interested in the same exact thing. So now, you know, even in a room of 500 people, these 10 people are interested in the same exact thing that I'm interested in doing, right? So it makes it a little bit easier for you to bond and form relationships and grow from that standpoint. I would say too, just like, especially year one, um, you know, getting everybody on board as far as speakers go, because everyone has questions, they don't know how legit you are. Um, you know, you pull a lot of favors, so, you know, you'll get the people who are doing that, but, um, you really have to start with that kind of that marquee speaker and go down, um, because you need a name to, to kind of lynch into, right? Otherwise it's like, well, who's going to speak? What are the tickets? Is this a real thing? I don't know if I'm my name associated with this, right? So you kind of have to start with something prominent to be able to build off of. And then I would say too, the, the financials is the, the other hard part, you know, unlike, you know, someone who is doing an event where you can go sell a $20,000 uh, program or something like that in the back and, you know, you, you know, you're going to make it up on the back end. We don't have that. Um, so because of that, you know, if we didn't sell enough tickets, we were going to go into the red. So I think leading up to the event, there was a little bit of uh, panic, if you will, about whether or not we were going to sell enough tickets to, to break even to have a great event to make everyone happy. And we did. Um, so that was, you know, that was great, obviously. But I think just not knowing those kind of things, what's the value, what ticket price should it be? All those kind of questions come up. Awesome. I love it. I love how everybody's going to face a situation or a challenge. It is just trying to figure out what or how to overcome it is this objective. And once you do it, you're like, oh, okay, that's how I could do it. Now, next time when I do, I can do it better or I'd be able to improve that process, that system of how to implement it, how to make it better, bring more value to other people. And you mentioned for you to scale from a two units to eight units to bigger going to commercial, you need to scale, you need a system. So what system have you started small and started to build upon or imp improve to help you become a more a better investor, bring more value to other people? Yeah, it's a great question. I think the first thing for me was I had to make a decision to do that. I had to make a decision to commit to scaling, to growing, to building a portfolio that would allow freedom and flexibility with my life. Um, once I made that decision, one of the first things I did was I hired a mentor. And I do believe mentorship, when you are clear on what you want to do, mentorship is a phenomenal way to actually grow. You know, I see a lot of people who, you know, want to do it by themselves and they don't want to pay the money to a mentor. And I will say that, you know, if you know what you want to do, um, get clarity, you know, and go get the people in your business who can help you. Because, yes, you can probably figure it out by yourself. But if it takes you three, four years to figure it out, did you really save any money or did you waste time? You know, are you looking at it as an investment or are you, are you looking at it as just a liability or something that you're going to, you know, spend money on? So I would say investing in the mentor was really key for me 
And I tell that obviously to my, my coaching clients as well, because I think it's key for them as well. Um, the other aspect of it is once you have that mentor, it's starting to work with that person on systems and processes. And you can do this by yourself too, uh, but it's understanding those systems and processes of the business. So how are you getting deals to analyze? What is your deal flow, right? So are you getting them just from brokers? Are you getting them from wholesalers? Who are you getting them from? How are you analyzing these deals? Are you analyzing every deal by yourself? Do you have a shorthand? Do you have people on your team who are helping you look at these deals? Going through the offer process. And then on the flip side, it's raising capital. Having people in your network who are ready, willing, and able to invest. Are they, um, are they, are they prepared? Are they sophisticated? Are they um, educated on the deals, on what to expect, the process? Or are they going to be asking a bunch of questions about, multifamily and what is an IRR or cap rate or things like that once you send them a deal. So are you prepping your investors to actually be ready to invest? So some of those things were processes that we needed to go through multiple times and then realize, okay, here's how we can refine it. Here's how we can do a better job of prepping investors. So they have a chance to look at information, review it and be ready when we bring a deal as opposed to you know, not having that information. So when I bring them a deal, they're not really ready because they have more questions, right? So I'm going to spend an hour asking quite or answering questions versus them looking at the deal, having maybe 10 minutes worth of questions and then being able to get them ready. So really those are the things that we started to improve upon. And then I would say also our intake process, right? So a new investor intake process where now a lot of it is automated, where typically calls just kind of show up on my calendar once someone is ready to have a live discussion about investing versus in the past, I mean, everything was very manual and very, um, you know, I had to go and try to track people down and I've met somebody here and trying to just remember who I met and where I met them at and all of that stuff. So we've created a system that we share with our clients as well. So they can do the same thing, set it up and just automate the process. So you can really focus on what's important as opposed to, you know, trying to remember that guy you met at the conference last year who told you he was interested in investing, but you know, you didn't have a deal at that time, but now you do. So it's how you, how do you remove those places where someone might slip through the cracks or deals or broker relationships may slip through the cracks and you automate that process. So now everything runs a bit more smoothly. Exactly. Like in my mind, I'm thinking of fast food restaurants like McDonald's and stuff like that. They have systems, Starbucks, they have systems. You walk in and they have a system of, okay, from as soon as you walk into your time leaving, there's a way they want you to feel, to operate, to communicate, to interact with that product, that system. The same way for business. We have to have some type of system where they interact with us and we can provide value to them and that way we stay on top of mind. And I love how you was able to kind of test and then reevaluate and then test again and continue to improve that system. I love it. And able to share that with others as well is phenomenal. So almost out of time, I appreciate you taking the time out of the day to and talk with me and sit here and talk with me. I love that. I'm grateful for it. So I have three questions for you. First one is, what is your favorite go-to snack? Snack, man, right now it's uh, carrots and hummus. Really? Interesting. Yep, baby carrots and hummus. Nice. What book has made the most impact on you in the last year? Atomic Habits by James Clear. Ah, that's on my to-do, to-read list. I just, it just popped up. 
Nice. Uh, last question. What do you like to do to help you relax from a busy day of being an entrepreneur? Play with my kids, man. That's the best part. You know, play with my kids. Oh, yes. How You have two or three? Two, five and three years old. Wow. Great time. I have one. She's four. I, I love she's why going after financial freedom is just that freedom to spend those moments with them is what I want. That's my main objective is to spend time with them for her. That's the main goal for almost any parent. Yep. But thank you, John, for taking the time to be on the show. I greatly appreciate it. Can you let your listeners and know how they can reach you? Absolutely, Anthony. Thank you for having me on. And uh, if anyone is interested in learning a little bit more about either multifamily investing, I do have a sample deal package available on our website. All you have to do is go to casmancapital.com slash sample deal. And uh, you can also check out our show, Target Market Insights, anywhere you listen to podcasts. It's the multifamily and marketing podcast. Check us out. Awesome. Once again, thank you, man. I appreciate it.